This is episode thirty-four. It's called Gatekeeper's Guilt and a Great Idea. Hi, everybody. Um, so as what seems to be par for the course, I have. Oh God, I'm winded from going up the stairs. <laughs> Oh my God. Nice cardio. (laughs) Anyway, I have bumped today's topic. Um, Again, I kicked it down the street till next week because I kind of wanted to address something, a little something, something that has been on my mind. Listen to me gasping. (laughs) Let me take a breath. Anywho, uh, something that is on my mind right now. So I, I thought I'd talk about it today while it's a fresh, um, Yeah, today's episode is, um, what is it about? It is about the expectations that we have for our kids and also how ableism can creep its way into that reality. And it's also about crusty gatekeepers. And now I totally am picturing like an old, gnarled, warty, crusty troll under a bridge. And it's also about an idea that I had about disability housing Yeah, if you know me, you know I always have some kind of business or invention or something in the works. So I was going to keep it under wraps for fear that somebody else would just take it and claim it. But who am I kidding? I am probably not able to make something of this scale happen. So if somebody else wants to spearhead it, then go for it. Okay, let's go. Hey, everyone. It's a very bright life. It sure is. Your life is so bright. I gotta wear shades. We are so happy that you're here with us. Let's do this thing. I used that intro bit there to catch my breath, so all is well. I am okay. And also, uh, Avery is okay. For those who have asked, she is... She's happily oblivious to any of her parents' concerns, and I am, I am really grateful for that. Second of all, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, episode 33, uh, to catch you up to speed so you understand the gist of this episode, it was about how since about late summer, early fall, we started noticing some... I want to say regression, or maybe it's complete lack of progression. I don't know. One of those in Avery's cognitive abilities. Um, I mean, I know, I think I noticed, but I didn't. And I think I deliberately turned a blind eye. And now I'm wondering if turned a blind eye is an appropriate expression anymore. I don't, I don't think it is. It's actually kind of awful. So, okay, let me rephrase. Um, I ignored the signs because I didn't want to see them. And I talked about in that episode 33 about how Avery's big brother, when he was home, one of the first times in September, home from university, he commented quite a few times about how Avery was having a hard time following a simple conversation. And I mean, I heard him, but I made up excuses like uh, her rapid growth spurt, which is 100% true. She grew a lot in a very short time. And then also her rapid onset into puberty. It felt like she went from like zero to 60 in no time. And so now she is two months into her um, Kotex years. <laughs> I don't know why I called it that. Do they even make Kotex 
anymore. I think that's pretty old school. Anyway, um, and about that, there are some definitely some valuable lessons to be shared from this new um, foray into her um, feminine adultness, <laughs> whatever that means. But I feel I feel like I'm walking a thin line between sharing details in order to support other parents and to provide some help, helpful tips, which I really appreciated being shared with me. Um, and then there's also the oversharing and the revealing personal details that are really not mine to share. So it's, it's a tricky one. I think that there is a way to share our knowledge about the what to do's and the what not to do's in terms of the whole menses. <laughs> That's so silly. Um, but uh, I feel like there's a way to share that without sharing personal details, right? Like in more of a, like an educator standpoint. Anyway, we'll come back to that another day. Yeah. So there are a lot of reasons why Avery might be exhausted and struggling verbally because whenever she's growing or developing in one particular area, it always seems to draw energy from other areas of her development. So I think this could very well be the case here. However, as a parent, a parent who is not a doctor, um, I can make all the diagnoses that I want, but responsibly, responsibly, I need to follow up with an actual doctor. So I left a message for her neurologist, and then I attempted to make an appointment with our family doctor, and because it was advised that we start with our GP and then we'll just kind of go from there, which makes perfect sense, because having an initial examination and then getting whatever tests or blood work done in advance will ultimately help the specialist better understand what might be going on. So that's what we were trying. And uh, here's where the topic of gatekeepers comes in. Have you heard that term gatekeepers? You know, the ones that stand between you and the specialist or the doctor that you're trying to see? Yeah. So my question is, why do people who are clearly not people people go into a career where they're dealing with people all day? And especially when they're dealing with emotionally distraught parent people, it makes no sense. So here's what happened. I had to fight, like not with my fists, but with my words and my, and my darting eyes, I had to fight our receptionist to get Avery a face-to-face appointment with our doctor. And it was with an exasperated, like, ugh, that I was told they are not doing physicals at this time, which is fine. Then I was told that we could maybe do a virtual or a phone appointment, which I get. Like we are in the middle of a pandemic. Well, at least some of us are. And I get that they're trying to keep the in-person appointments for the most in need patients. But in this case, Avery hasn't, she hasn't been seen by her doctors since well before COVID. And I, I think our concerns are legitimate and possibly quite serious. And so here I am like physically in the doctor's office because I was just there for something, my allergy shot. And I tried to book the appointment through the receptionist, um, through a big, thick plastic shield. And I'm shouting and she's on the other side of the office. And it was just like, uh, I'm like, could you come a bit closer? <laughs> it was. It's difficult enough trying to talk through a mask and then you add the plastic and then you add trying to talk through emotions because I, I'm, not an, I'm not an aggressive person and I detest confrontation. And so when she wasn't taking me seriously and she was sighing and rolling her eyes at me, my 
voice went all crackly and I felt sweaty and I was feeling somewhat desperate trying to convince the receptionist that I was being serious and that I was really worried. When you, okay, when you get angry, do you get ferocious and like dig your heels in or do you get all like weepy and emotional? I wish I was ferocious, but I sadly am, I'm the latter. I get all teary and my voice gets shaky and it's super frustrating. Anyway, she relented and we have an appointment with the doctor. So we're going to check everything out and make sure that there isn't something else that requires immediate attention. And then we'll figure out a plan. And, uh, just to sum that one up, just a little plea to any gatekeepers out there. I understand that your job is stressful and I am, I'm very sure you've dealt with some serious assholes, especially this past year and a half, but not all of us are assholes. And most of us are just, we're just concerned parents who are worried and we are reaching out for your help. So if you can't be nice or even civil, then maybe may I suggest you find a new profession or just How about just fake it? Just plaster on a pretend smile and just try to be as patient and kind as possible. And I know it's not always easy. And I also know that this receptionist is a kind person. I have actually, I've been going to this doctor's office for, I'm going to say just about 20 years. And I've known her from the beginning. And um, I mean, I don't know what she's got going on in her life. So it's not really fair for me to judge. I'm just... I'm just feeling a little spicy because this just happened, but I will get over it. And it's funny, it's funny, not funny, haha, but funny like, huh, that she's known me for two for two decades and yet she still calls me Lori every time. And um I used to correct her, but then I've stopped lately because I mean, who cares? Lori, Lisa, it's close enough. And I'm a fine one to talk anyway because I am horrible with names. I actually called our next door neighbor, Leanne, for three full years until her husband finally corrected me. And he was like, yeah, her name is Lori, which is ironic that her name is actually Lori. (laughs) It's embarrassing. They moved, so it's all good. Anyway, um, we could be dealing with an underlying medical condition or possibly nocturnal seizures that are causing this exhaustion and regression for Avery plus hormones and she's a busy person and the stupid time change, they are not helping. They are contributing probably to her tiredness, but we will figure it out and I will do, we will do whatever needs to be done. Right. Okay. So here's what I wanted to quickly touch on and just know that nobody has come at me or brought this up with me directly. This is 100% me questioning myself and beating myself up as I tend to do. Avery has lots of friends in our community who need assistive devices to walk. She has some friends who are nonverbal. She has friends whose cognitive development maybe isn't as advanced as Avery's is. She also has friends who have behavioral challenges and all kinds of things. And I 100% get how challenging that can be for their families. So I feel this guilt whenever I complain about anything about Avery. And when I worry about this possibly being the extent of Avery's cognitive development, I feel like, who the hell do you think you are complaining? Like other people have challenges far beyond what, what we're going through. And it feels like maybe I'm a little ableist to even feel sad about that because 
having an intellectual disability isn't necessarily a bad thing. And then I slap myself and I say, dude, I says to myself, I says, Lisa, (laughs) you're allowed to have, you're allowed to feel your feelings. I'm allowed to feel disappointment or worry or fear or grief or whatever it is, because my feelings are my feelings, right? And Avery has, Avery has far exceeded what doctor's expectations were for her, like where she would be at this point or what she'd be able to do. So to some degree that gave us hope that she would just continue on this continuum. She would be able to develop to a point where she could maybe live independently one day, if that's what she wants. And I know she's only 15 and she's got a long way to go and many more things to learn. And she will continue to progress. I know that. And she'll continue to surprise us with things that she'll say or do that we didn't expect. But um, is this the peak? Like, is this the plateau? Because it could be. And then I feel replete again with ableist guilt, like suggesting it's a bad thing if it's true. Like if this is an indication of a forever level of intellectual ability, um, it's not ideal. And I, I just feel, I feel like a jerk when I say that. But like I said, nobody's come at me about that. And so I just wanted to say as much to other parents who would be in the same situation, as much as to myself as a reminder, because I need reminders, it is okay to want more for your child. It's okay to want them to achieve the highest level of, of all the abilities that they can, whatever that, what I'm, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and it's okay to grieve for what could have been or what might not be. And at this point, I'm assuming that Avery will probably live with us forever. And at some level, that thrills me because she's my favorite person. Well, and and you too, Sebastian, her brother. You just can't help but feel happy around her. So the idea of her always being my sidekick does not make me sad. But also in a perfect world and in my dreams, I want her to go on dates and go out to the movies with their friends independently and maybe live on her own, like safely and happily. And so that's why the idea of this being her adult level of intellectual development, it's just it's just taking me a minute. And I think as parents, we feel guilty about projecting our hopes and dreams onto our kids. And however it turns out, it will be okay. It's just that this this minute, this particular season, my husband and I are just readjusting our expectations. And it's so cute because he has big plans. He wants to buy a property north of the city with like a pond and a fire pit and lots of trees. And I think that sounds amazing. But my brain is more like looking around for a forever home in our community where Avery can have her own space, maybe like a little coach house behind our house with a roommate or two where she has access to community supports and transit and her doctors and a hospital close by. Like I do want her to live with us forever, but I know it's not realistic because I'm not going to live forever. So um, my goal is to set her up with whatever degree of independence she can manage safely and then surround her with all the supports that she's going to need in terms of caregivers and everything. And then, I want to be around and of sound mind <laughs> to be able to monitor her, monitor her so that when she's on her own and we're not all around 
um, she'll be settled and feel confident and safe and taken care of. Good Lord, the child is 15. (laughs) Can you tell I'm a bit of a planner? Yeah. Well, and okay, so here comes my idea. I had this idea that, and maybe this is already a thing, um, and I haven't landed on a name or a logo, but here's the basic premise. You know those she sheds or those office cabins people are building in their backyards? What about something like that? Like a one or two bedroom, like tiny house with its own um, accessible bathroom, uh, a very small basic kitchen um, that is uh, with no stairs, so it's fully accessible. And then it has like rounded corners, like the counters and stuff in case of falls, maybe um, softer flooring, um, you know, in case somebody should fall during a seizure or whatever. And it's fully wired for cameras and audio um, and an intercom connected to the main house. And this pod, that's all I have so far, it's called a pod, could house Avery and maybe like a roommate or two independently, but they're close enough to family if they should need some assistance. And the roommates could pull together all of their resources, like their support resources, and they could use those for like a cleaner or a cook or an occupational or physical therapist, or even if required, like a night nurse um, to come in and they could live independently, but safely. Right? I really like the idea. And I was saying to my mom that we could even build a senior shack for her and my dad to live in when they're older, like near our house, but just not in our house, but like near but not in. (laughs) And then I might have to install uh, an electric fence around theirs just in case they start wandering over during dinner time. (laughs) Just kidding. My mom's going to ground me again. But seriously though, I haven't seen anything else like this out there. So I'm just going to keep this idea in my back pocket and um, get to working on a logo for the company and a name. So I'm thinking like senior silos or senior shacks and I can't think of it. I don't know. Independent disability. I don't know. Something. I'll report back. Okay. So yeah, that's all I have to say for this week. And next week I'm going to um, return to the original scheduled broadcast and topic. Well, that's what I'm saying now, but we'll see. Okay, folks, I'm going to go now. I'm going to make, I'm making mashed potatoes for dinner. I don't know what's going with the mashed potatoes, but that's that's the main part of it because that's what my the stomach wants what the stomach wants um and um thanks for listening and thank you by the way for making our podcast uh so highly rated in canadian parenting podcasts i was really shocked to see where we rank not that i'm competitive but i'm really competitive (laughs) so thanks for that although after this drivel of a podcast episode i'll probably drop way, way far down the ranks, but that's okay. Okay. I hope you're all well. We'll talk to you later. Bye. What do you call a bear with no teeth? A a bear with no teeth. What? A gummy bear. (laughs) A gummy bear. Gummy bear. Gummy bear. (laughs) Thanks for listening. 
Your support means so much to us. So thank you so much for sharing the podcast and for leaving us comments and reviews. We really appreciate it. We are just thrilled to see this bright, beautiful community growing in this way. And if you know somebody who you think might enjoy this podcast, perhaps a disability family or just somebody who likes to chat, please send them our way. And if you'd like to leave us a comment or if you have questions or topic suggestions, you can leave us a comment on our podcast page on our website, which is linked in the show notes. Or if you want to get super fancy, you can leave us an audio message on the Anchor app. I know, it's super cool. Okay, thanks again for listening and we will talk to you soon. Bye.